spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 170th Annual Subliminal Reception Podcast, the weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Uh, not doing too bad. Enjoyed a nice, way too fucking fast Labor Day weekend. Um, but right off the top, I need to I need to ask you where that high scoring, high flying Iowa Hawkeyes offense came from over the weekend, Phil. Yeah, you know, it was a big surprise to all of us, you know. Uh our quarterback really killed it. You know, he actually he he took the ball on the snaps and didn't just drop it right away and then just take a shit right on the field. So that was a big improvement. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, terrible. It was it was fucking awful. Uh, luckily, I couldn't watch the game because I was not even good enough to get on real TV, apparently. So, yeah, it's, it was fucking awful. Um. OK, so were they playing like the 85 Bears defense or what? No, they were playing. They were playing basically an FCS team, South Dakota State. Okay, I've actually been to Vermilion, and yeah, no, it's it's nothing much to speak about. But yeah, their team, I cannot. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a team that Iowa should have beaten by like forty five, fifty points, and they they basically didn't score a touchdown. They won because of a field goal and two safeties. That's how they got their seven points. Two safeties? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so the other team scored one field goal. Iowa scored one field goal. So it was tied 3-3 three to three at the halftime. Our punter basically saved the day and buried them down deep in their own, you know, way back in their own, like, two-yard line. And we got a couple of safeties off of those. So it was 7-3 to three at the end of the game. All right. Um, yeah. A win's basically, a win. It, a win's a win, yeah. In the polls, we went back from we were like the twenty seventh or twenty eighth team, you know, just outside the top twenty five. Now they're in like the thirties or forties. So it's you pretty much, you know, we'll we'll be lucky to go six and six this year. So, but who knows? Maybe maybe they play down to their competition and they're much better, and we go like fucking eight and four. But it's not looking good for uh, the black and gold. Um, remind me after the show or some other time. I'll show you how to get access to any football game you would like. Wink, wink. Um, so <sighs> we can't <laughs> legally say that, but I have some free college games have fallen out of the the back of the old internet truck <laughs> per se. <laughs> nice. And yeah, yeah, I've I've been illegally watching them on YouTube. And you're pretty much at the the whim of the Pakistani gentleman who who popped them up <laughs> on the internet. So <laughs> I really love those guys from Bangladesh who are huge Iowa Hawkeye fans. Not really sure why, but uh, but they yep. are. Um, the other thing I wanted to to say here, we we kind of talked about it off the air. Uh, we won't include any spoilers, but I finally 
have caught up with House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones, and I gotta say, I I am a fan. Definitely, I'm. A, well, so the thing about the old Game of Thrones TV show was they didn't really have like a ton of money to spend on it during those like the early like first season. You know, during that first season, they were, you know, kind of on a budget. So the sets weren't as magnificent. You know, they kind of did a lot of things, you know, like not really, not really that great. Uh, they did do a lot of locations, which was cool. Um, this show, though, they are spending they have like, you know, medium budget movie level production every single episode. So they're like off the bat you know, super expensive. So it's, it looks, it looks really good. They're doing pretty good with the, uh, the story. I think a lot of people don't like it, but I think that they just are trying to get internet points basically. Here's <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a brave thing to be critical on a good show. Isn't it? Um, the thing I was thinking though, I want your opinion acting. I don't think the acting's as good. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it is right away in the TV show. So, like, Game of Thrones acting during that first season wasn't great from all the characters. You know, all the actors playing their characters. They don't really, like, it's almost like them kind of, like, making their character. I mean, um, can't remember what his name is, but uh, the guy who played the imp, you know. Uh, Peter something another. Dinklage. Yeah, Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, his, he was, like, well, he's an awesome actor, but he was, like, right off the bat with his character. Uh, but all of the rest of the characters, all the rest of the, you know, the actors were kind of like took a little bit, a few seasons to really like get their characters rolling. So I think that might be what it is. So the I, uh, the guy who plays the prince, the brother of the king, he's a really good actor. And I think he's got his character, you know, rolling pretty well. I, I know, like his face is so recognizable and I'm pretty certain he literally doesn't do anything but play bad guys in movies. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. If you guys haven't checked it out, I I would recommend it. Um, definitely, if you're a fan fan of Game of Thrones, I mean, even though I think the final episode of the Game of Thrones proper was maybe a little bit of a letdown, I uh, everything up to that point was fantastic. Yeah, my only problem is they're doing for that show. They're doing a little too much too fast. Yeah, um, basically, it's only the third episode, and um. The blonde, well, the, you know, the main chick, her uncle, the guy we were just talking about, they did a face turn on him without barely giving us any, like, you know, they gave us two episodes of he's a bad guy. Then they're doing his face turn right now. So it's a little, it's a little quick, but you know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till it's over or whatever for the season and then kind of revisit our opinion on it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Speaking of blonde-haired people, are you ready to get into this week's episode? Yeah, let's hit it. And by the way, I don't even know if there is a single blonde person in this episode, but <laughs> it just felt like a good <laughs> transition. Yeah. On this week's episode, we're going to be delving into the one of the weirdest cases of mass hallucinations that has ever been documented, with some of the citizens literally be being driven crazy um, as we will find out as we get deeper into the episode. Now, the real question is, what exactly happened to this little French town? And was it simply a big whoopsie? Was it, uh, or does it have some more nefarious intentions behind it? Now, 
I can't get into too much of it without giving giving too much away. But um, also, if you know this story, Phil, block this one out. But any other mass hallucination events can you think of? Ooh, uh, mass hallucination events. No, I mean, not off the top of my head. Um, it kind of depends on what's causing the hallucination is usually what, you know, kind of it's not known as much kind of like the Salem witch trials, not exactly a mass hallucination event as much as people were just kind of going along with it because they didn't want to be next. Mass hysteria. That's a mass hysteria event. Yeah, the hysteria was people being murdered and no one really believing in this, but, you know, worried that if you don't pretend to just like with any religion, if you don't pretend to believe in it, your head might be on the chopping block next. So everyone kind of has to pretend to believe in it. You know what I just realized? Anything with mass in front of it is generally bad. So just think about this. You've got mass hysteria. You've got mass hallucination. You've got mass extinction. You've got mass shooter. Like, none of, is there a good mass? And don't forget about the worst one. The mass that we had to go to every single Thursday, which was going to church while other kids were learning about math in school. <laughs> that was the worst mass that we had. Speaking of um, that, Phil, I saw a video, and I don't know if this guy was a troll or not, but he was a pastor, and he claims that Jesus may have, in fact, had HIV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Not yep. sure how he knows that, but this yep. guy claims he did. I don't know how that would work, but you know what? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if HIV, if that virus actually had a... Because obviously it came from somewhere. It didn't just kind of like pop up. I don't know. It's not like the fucking CIA created it or anything, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe he means it had like an ancient ancestor of the virus that could be because I mean, immunodeficiency wasn't like a new thing. So, well, I think what he was saying is because humans can have AIDS and HIV, that means that God or I'm sorry, Jesus in his ethereal form, his spirit form might still have it because he shares his blood with us. Oh, something so, like okay. like a whole bunch of straws that are really being grasped hard. So basically something that not only can't be proven wrong or right, something that's just completely insane that you, you can't even question it because it's my belief. One of those situations. Right. Right. Oh, OK. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to this here. Now, the town we're going to be talking about If we were to say it in English, it would basically spell out Pont Saint Esprit. And in in French, apparently, it's Pont Saint Esprit. So I'll try to say it the French way. If we have French listeners, I apologize. Um, These, I feel like their words are very hard sometimes because there's letters, but we pretend like the letters don't exist when we say them. But yeah, it kind of it kind of looks like the. it's not as much in English as it is in Latin. The Pont Saint Esprit is kind of like the Latin way of saying it. Right. More than it is like the English way. Right. So. Right. So, yeah, just like you say, Pont Saint Esprit. Now, this is from robots on the Internet telling me that's how you say it. So take that for what you will. Now, Pont Saint Esprit is located in the southern region of France 
As to be expected with most European cities, it is old as shit. While it would get its name Pont Saint-Esprit much later, during the Roman occupation, apparently this area was nothing more than just fishing huts. So that's kind okay. of the birth of this, just a fishing village more more or less. Around two... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Um, basically, there was a shit ton of these little settlements um, that were kind of just, you know... Uh, like when I was in England, there was a shit ton of little villages. A lot of them actually, like during the Black Death, would would move. They would burn down the old village, move it like further away from wherever it was, just to kind of get away from you know all the death and stink, um, to kind of to try to burn out the virus. Well, the, back then it was the the bad spirits, but it was actually good them burning down their old village and moving right. to a new one. Awesome. But a lot of these villages. Um, you think that they've always been in one place for like a thousand years. They actually like move. So it would be interesting about this one's history. Well, around 250 AD, something called the Cult of St. Santorin took over the region, giving this area uh, the town name of St. Sandorin du Port. In 1952, a St. Pierre built a Benedictine monastery which then led to the construction of a bridge uh, somewhere between 1265 and 1309. A Saint Esprit was the local bridge toll. That's literally kind of how they described him, who would collect feasts from people, uh, and you had to pay a Le Petit Blanc or a salt tax to pass over this bridge. Um, Let me talk about this Saint Santorin, okay. I, I look this guy look this up. This is really confusing, but let's say Wikipedia, right? He's described yeah. as the apostle to the gulls. So which I kind of love. I think that's just Germans, isn't it? The gulls are actually the French. Oh, they're the French. Okay. Yeah, so this so during this whole so um basically you were whatever the Romans called you. So Maybe you had a little village, you know, you were kind of your own thing. Maybe you had your own little tribe. But when the Romans came, they called you Gauls, and you're Gauls now. The, basically, all of France were the Gauls. And then, like, the Germanic people, um, their name for, like, all of the area we now call Germany and all of that area was called Germania. So you went from being whatever you actually were to now you're Germanian, basically. So... Um, the thing about this saint, right, you know, all saints have to basically be martyrs, more or less, to become saints. Apparently, this guy was dragged behind a bull and, and killed. So that, oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I guess it's kind of a cool way to go out. He would have done well at a county fair. <laughs> Basically, a lot of those kids that we saw showing cattle were, uh, you know, drugged behind them. Should, Normally, though, they were kept in gates, so not taken very should far. We, should we consider every bull rider that gets gored and killed by a bull as a saint? They might be in Spain. Okay. But, so yeah, you were saying Saint, uh, it's actually pronounced Esprit. Esprit. Uh, Esprit de Esprit Decor. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. So you don't pronounce the T at the end. You kind of pronounce it if there is an E there. Esprit. Esprit. Okay. Yep. That word just reminds me of like some really shitty knockoff shoe made from China. I don't oh, know why. Yeah. 
It was supposed to be spirit, but they spelled it wrong. Yeah. They spelled the E at the back and at the front instead of the back. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can think of. I don't I don't know why. Um salt tax. I'm salt was pretty valuable, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um there's you know the old saying that like basically Roman soldiers were paid in salt. It's kind of funny because Le Petit Blanc was actually the nickname for poor whites um, before the Haitian Revolution. Huh. There was the Grand Blancs and uh, Petit Blancs, which was poor white. So it's a little bit of a little bit of white or a little salt. Okay, then probably if this is twelve hundred, then probably had a little bit different meeting. Oh yeah, a little bit of white, yeah. basically. Yeah. So it was it was obviously different than you know five hundred years later in. Um, God, Saint Domain is pretty much. It was actually a French colony, so Haiti. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me continue on here. Uh, now, in 1323, the town had begun to go by Pont Saint Esprit because an Irish pilgrim named Simon. <laughs> I don't even know his name. Simonius. Semen. It looks like Semenus. <laughs> it does look like Semenus. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, wrote about this area in his hopefully sober journey to the Holy Land. He basically, you know, spoke of how beautiful the bridge was, more or less. This bridge here is kind of like the whole town of how wonderful the construction is and, and all of that. Now, at some point, it it had this name, right, Pont Saint-Esprit, and then it got changed to Pont sur Rhone. I think that's how you say it. And the town over time was devastated by various religious wars, and it was especially affected during the French Revolution, and the town was also affected during World War II, and then post-World War II, they renamed the town back to Pont Saint-Esprit, which basically means Holy Spirit Bridge. So I don't, okay. know, why, I don't know why they kept going back and forth here with the name, but... Um, my understanding is Rhone. Uh, what does that mean? Like, I think that might just mean road, I believe. Okay. Well, when I saw Rhone, I thought maybe it was because of the river Rhine, but it might not be in the right location to be on I, the Rhine. You know, I don't know where it is on the map. I actually think you are right, Phil. I think actually you okay. are right, but I think Pont might mean bridge. I believe. Oh, okay. Well, I know sir in Spanish means south. So like okay. Southern Rhone, Southern Rhine, but I would have to look at a map to see that. So, well, I mean, ba I mean, basically the, the name of the town now makes sense. It was little bridge toll man. <laughs> Saint oh. Esprit is basically where they named it. You know, I didn't actually think there was people who like just sat there and collected tolls from people across the bridge, but apparently that's all this guy did. Oh yeah. Well, it's just like the story. Um, Goddamn in Nottingham, the uh, Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. They had a they had a, a toll. Uh, it's funny because you have written down bridge troll, and that's I thought it was a myth about a bridge troll, but you mean a bridge like a toll collector. Yeah, I'm just being okay. uh, sarcastic <laughs> because any I feel yeah. like anybody who does that might as well be Look, a fucking bridge troll. Yeah, if they're not qualified to do anything else besides take a little bit of money from people to cross a bridge, they might not be that. Uh, yeah exceptional of a human sorry if you are a toll collector and you're listening to this while you collect tolls <laughs> i'm sure you're a great being who you know 
Well, here's you know, the thing. Got plenty of talent or whatever. Here's the thing. Toll collectors completely fine. Everyone's got to work. This guy, we got to remember, 1300s, probably a lot of really poor, borderline starving people. And he's oh, yeah. still, he's taking their money. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and basically the bridge was already built. It pretty much made, it's made out of stone. I'm pretty sure it maintains itself over, you know, the short run. They don't really need to take the toll for it. So it's just a tax on poor people and merchants. Who, it was the Romans who invented the like, um, archway bridge, right? Um, ooh, the arches. So they stole a lot of their technology. So okay. the, the good thing, the big thing about the Romans, like their their biggest innovation was taking the best things from other people and incorporating them. So all of the, when they took over the Etruscans first, they took a lot of their technology and started kind of like making it their own. Mm. Then like, you know, the people in um, like the periphery around them, then eventually they took over the Greeks on Italy and then like the Greeks in Greece. So they took over a lot of their technology and then a lot of, you know, African and all of those, basically all of the, you know, the entire empire that you kind of know of. They took every kind of innovation and made it their own. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I just was wondering, because I think at least back in the day, this was a arched bridge, which is why everyone was kind of like, this is such a wonderful looking bridge. So it must have been some almost modern marvel for the time period. Oh, yeah. Well, especially for people who weren't very, you know, highly educated, thinking like, oh, how does that stay up in the middle like that? They don't realize that it's kind of its own weight that's like holding it up. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, so the Romans were pretty big for like building arches, whether it be like bridges or the aqueducts. They were also huge for the road system, too. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, we'll move on here. Now, the date that Pont Saint-Esprit descends into madness all began back on August 15th, 1951. At the time, the town would have been would have had a population of around 4,500, give or take, according to the census. August 15th seemed like your everyday, nondescript day. But around 10 a.m. that day, people started coming into the hospital complaining of nausea and stomach pains. After doing the typical vital checks doctors and nurses all do, they found that a lot of the patients were suffering from weak blood pressure, faint pulses, cold sweats, and low body temperature. A lot of these things um, I don't think are abnormal. I think almost if you have an infection, these are kind of the symptoms, I believe. Yeah, if your body's fighting off something, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, it's it pretty, I'm sure they see this quite a bit, so it wouldn't be, you know. No, I mean, if, like, people like this, obviously, if you have weak blood pressure or faint pulse, you want to keep a close eye on that because that can be really bad. Uh, I can't remember, You obviously, you get a fever when you're fighting off something, your body lowers its temperature to fight off something else. And I can't remember what that is, but it's, it's, I don't know, one of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, nothing too, you know, nothing too weird so far. No, not uh, so far. It did actually turn into kind of like a normal little town. You know, it's amazing how these shitty little towns seem to survive. 
you know, a lot of towns out in the American West and the Midwest, um, you know, like don't make it kind of no. a lot of turnover. So it is kind of weird when you hear of a town lasting, you know, over 2000 years. It's pretty well, crazy. Here's the thing. Um, so it has been growing pretty good because the census for about the 4,500 was taken in 50, I think four, um, okay. in 2020 or maybe a few years before that, the population is up to almost 11,000. So it's almost doubled since then. Oh, nice. They could, uh, they have enough for a super Walmart. <laughs> is Walmart even allowed in France? <laughs> oh, I doubt it. They, they try to keep that shit out of it. Yeah. I, but Walmart actually buys up a lot of stores that you don't realize are Walmart, but they basically like sneak them in. Very true. Did you hear the news report of the man flying a plane around in Mississippi, threatening to run it into a Walmart? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened like a few days ago. But apparently, and I, I'm sure the Waltons are very upset, but they actually had to close the stores down. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure all the it was taken out of their peasants' uh, paychecks. So Yeah, I'm sure they made them use their PTO on the day off when a crazed Definitely. man was going to fly his plane into the Walmart. <laughs> no. The craziest the craziest thing about that whole thing was you think that people who work at Walmart get PTO. That's ah, very <laughs> no. true. Very true. They, they just don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> now, at this point, the doctors might be thinking maybe there's just some new illness going around. It's nothing really to get too alarmed about. But as time progressed, the patient's condition started to get even worse. In addition to that, more and more people began flooding in with what we might call very unique symptoms. A doctor by the name of Dr. Hadar Gabai said that a young farmer had stumbled into the clinic, waving his hands all over the place, claiming that swarms of bees were now surrounding him. Dr. Gabai could clearly see that there was, in fact, no bees around him at all, but the farmer was almost inconsolable. Shortly after, a man came in claiming that he had snakes slithering all over his body. <laughs> this man had to be forcefully subdued, and it took over an hour to convince him that there were no snakes all over your body, sir. But little did they know, this was just the start of the chaos that's about to erupt here. Now, I'm going to say, mm. this sounds terrifying. Definitely. You know, I'm looking at the date. You said it's in the early, early 1950s. Possibly some of the uh, American soldiers who are inhabiting the country of France perhaps bought maybe some jazz cigarettes from across <laughs> the uh, across the sea. And uh, it's just kind of taken over a little bit. Brought over a few, little bit of that jazz cabbage and these French yep. people don't know what to do, huh? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They've just never seen it before. I don't, I don't know. It just sounds, I don't, just, you hear stories about people feeling like there's bugs on them and shit, and it just, like, yep. makes my skin crawl. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, you hear about people who, uh, like, like people who are scratching at their skin because they're doing, like, amphetamines or, you know, meth and just kind of, like, picking at themselves. And obviously, they're not hallucinating that they have bugs, but it's just they're, it feels like they're, like, skins crawl. That right. kind of shit. Yeah, that sounds fucking awful. Definitely. Now, now, we have another first-hand account from a local postman by the name of Leon Amur. 
Now, at the time, Leon was simply just doing his normal rounds, delivering the mail like he did almost every day. When all of a sudden, he started to feel a little sick and he began to have wild hallucinations. According to Leon, he felt like he was shrinking and he just, he couldn't quit shrinking. He just kept shrinking. Then his arms were ignited with fire and serpents began to coil all around his arms. As no, it sounds like it sounds like he's got the holy fucking spirit in him. Yeah, he found God. We know that. Uh, as no surprise, when Leon had began to hallucinate, he had fallen off of his bike. But luckily, someone was there to get him to the hospital. Leon was then placed in a straitjacket and put into a room with three t- teenagers who were all currently chained to their beds. Leon later said this quote. Some of my friends tried to get out of the window. They were thrashing wildly, screaming, and the sound of the metal beds and the jumping up and down. The noise was terrible. I'd prefer to die rather than go through that again. So, uh, Mr. Postman here, he's not having a good time. Oh, definitely not. It sounds like he went straight to the loony bin and (laughs) he just, I don't know if these, from the sound of the story, like almost like these people were also having hallucinations and they were just tied to the bed. But it sounds like these people might've been there for months if they were already pre-chained to the bed. Uh, We'll learn why they are chained to the bed. Um, Okay. Yeah. So were they afflicted from the same situation that's occurring with him? Yeah. Okay. So they didn't just throw him in a fucking room with other crazy people and say, well, there you go, buddy. (laughs) No, they were were running out of room. Oh, because they, as we learn, there is a lot of people. So this is like a real fucking like a 60s horror movie thriller situation going on. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So this is. Like, this is uh, taken off like fucking crazy. You know, oh, okay. ob- obviously in French, they say it different, but it's, they basically refer to this as the, I think the day of the apocalypse. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's quite okay. ominous. Yeah. Gotcha. But, but uh, we got some more funny, hallucinating people here to talk about. <laughs> and we'll start off with a little girl who was screaming and terrified that she was being chased by man-eating tigers. Doesn't sound like fun. No. A person was spotted running down the street claiming he was being chased uh, by bandits with donkey ears. Uh, this, this one. Go ahead. I was I'm just going to say it sounds like uh, like a Disney fucking movie. Basically, yeah. like one of the old style Disney movies where madness in the streets. Pretty much <laughs> this like is- Pinocchio when he's on the little aisle, like the Lost Boys group. And oh, he's yeah. starting to turn into like a donkey. Yep. <laughs> yep. God, that movie is uh, pretty fucking weird, actually. I watched it, I think, last year sometimes. Very strange. Um, This next one's a little morbid. A woman was found bawling her eyes out because she was convinced that her children had all been ground into sausage. Very. (laughs) That (laughs) got to be a tough day for that woman. Uh, A husband and wife were chasing each other around with knives. That might be for other reasons, perhaps. And they were not from Kentucky. Correct? <laughs> no, That's confirmed? It's confirmed. Okay. All so these... it was abnormal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> these people are all from France. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Just checking. Uh, a very large man was smashing furniture because he believed it was the only way to get rid of the beasts that were attacking his home. 
Now, even animals were affected as a local dog had been biting stones for so long that its teeth were all broken apart. Oof. Oof, man. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird that all these people's hallucinations are very like paranoid ones. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, not, there's nobody having like fun hallucinations. No, it's not, uh, you know, it's not Mardi Gras for anybody. It's just terrifying. Everything is terrifying. I should say there is reports of a few people being okay with it, but most of them aren't. What's really odd too, is we're just talking about the people with hallucinations. What about the people who aren't afflicted by hallucinations who are just seeing everyone go crazy around them? That might be the people who have it maybe the worst. I think that those are the people who called it the day of the apocalypse, I would guess. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing that they are the, uh, the storytellers in this situation. All of the people are probably willing that it happened to. Here's the thing, though, Phil. In modern day, you know, you and I both live in big cities. Um, seeing crazy people is not <laughs> really that abnormal. Um, so, but I mean, a whole bunch of them might be a little abnormal. Yeah, every time I walk into a Circle K, I honestly am probably, you know, coming across someone who's experiencing one of these six hallucinations. <laughs> so, I mean, Circle K is a gas station, uh, not a very, very good one. Probably. It's where usually there's homeless people outside asking for money. Yeah, and and sometimes they'll just be, you know, carrying on a conversation with, with somebody, somebody who's not there. Uh, maybe they are a weird creature of some sort i don't know Uh, possibly (laughs) most likely it's themselves and their personal failures that they are (laughs) you know arguing with that's Uh, what i always think it is we've always been we've all been there um now let me tell you my favorite story here is one man who was attempting to jump off of jump off a bridge into the local river now lucky for him his his friends did rescue him before he was able to do it And this man began telling them, quote, I am dead and my head is made of copper and I have snakes in my stomach and they're burning me. Wow. Okay. Okay. He's not having a good day. No, definitely not. He definitely is coming up with some pretty, you know, like complicated things. It's not just like one thing. Like I am dead. Okay. You know, (laughs) we can probably deal with that. It's like I'm dead. Also, my head's made of copper. And did I mention the snakes in my stomach and they're burning me somehow? Somehow the snakes have fire. So it's just like, even though he's dead, he still feels all of this. It's pretty crazy. So what's interesting to me is like a lot of snakes is like French people. Their number one fear in the world. Is it snakes? I don't know. I think that's well, I mean, a lot of people are afraid of snakes. That's snakes, spiders. They're, you know. Um, kind of one of those, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, like a primeval, no, last week. Yeah. Kind of like these primeval fears right. that are like back from when we were fucking, you know, living in caves and shit. But um, yeah, it's, well, there is a story too about what is it, you know, uh, St. Patrick sending the snakes out of Ireland or whatnot. So yeah. How did he do that again? I have no idea. I guess he just waved his stick around and made it happen or something. <laughs> Probably with alcohol. That's how a lot of shit gets done in yeah. Ireland. It's the number one diplomatic tool I've heard. Definitely. <laughs> now, by the nighttime of the first day, 
The hospital had treated about 75 people suffering from hallucinations because all the local hospitals were filling up. People were being placed inside local barns to house them all. Many of the patients needed to be tied down to the beds to control them. When the nurses ran out of rope, they would begin to use horse reins or straight jackets. And as mentioned, when they ran out of those, those patients were probably chained to the bed. You know, they just had to use whatever they had, I guess. Um, yep. th- the event would kind of transpire over several days. In total, 300 people were either hospitalized were eventually taken to an asylum. In total, somewhere between four to seven people died, which included one person who had allegedly jumped out of a window because he believed, we have differing accounts here, either that he claimed he was an airplane or that he claimed he was a dragonfly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was wondering how many people actually died because of their hallucinations. So, really though, in my mind... This was a town of, you said, 4,500 people. Yeah. In my mind, it was happening to more people, but only about 300 people. Yep. Which is a decent percentage of the population, don't get me wrong. But it's not like, in my mind, these must be like the size of clinics, these hospitals. Not really like, you know, big hospitals like we have now. No, I'm I'm sure it's not like fucking the Mayo, Mayo Hospital, you know. Um, but... So what's interesting is they had about 300 people. A lot of them were be, were able to been treated. Some people had when they went to the asylum, they had to be there for like a month because oh, of like the longing effects. Now, I don't know if that's whatever set them off on the hallucination. And then maybe they had their own personal mental health problem and it just kind of like snowballed for them. But some people did have to stay in like a mental health facility for a lot of extra time. That would be my biggest worry is you have a situation like this where something extremely temporary makes you go like they put you in a like a mental institution or an asylum. And then basically you spend the next couple of months trying to convince them like, no, no, I'm not crazy. I just kind of had a bad day. And you're <laughs> still, you know, you're still like making puzzles in the rec area with all the other people, you know, getting just filled with pills. And eventually you're just going to go crazy, I imagine. Well, you got to remember, Phil, the only mental health pill they had in 1950s was probably, I don't know, lithium and <laughs> something to put you to sleep. They didn't really have much in between there. An old lady hitting you with her shoe. Yeah. Basically. Cheer up, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Cheer up, bitch. Yeah. yeah. The old uh, small town murder thing there. Now, with... With kind of the common knowledge of how things like this might happen, it wouldn't be shocking for maybe some of our listeners, maybe or Phil even here, to come to the conclusion about what happened to these people. And I guess my mind immediately went to some sort of food toxic or toxin that got to him, some sort of food poisoning, something like that. Is that kind of where your mind was going? My mind... um. Either there was a poisoning in the water or some kind of new maybe chemical they were using to spray for bugs. People, you know, maybe they had gotten sprayed with it. It seems to be extremely localized. So maybe it was like a spray that was because back then when they would like de-mosquito a lot of areas in the United States, they would fog entire neighborhoods. Like while people were outside, kids were playing and shit. Yeah, it's... um... That is a speculation. 
I guess we should say they will talk about what they think happened, but also it's not necessarily confirmed. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like we have, if we we do percentages, right? They would yeah. have the main reasoning being maybe like 80% and then the other possibilities, but we'll kind of, we'll kind of get into all of that here. Now, when the news broke of the incident, a lot of the locals in the town kind of came up with their own explanations. Most believed that it had to have came from either local food or drink or some, like you said, someone had poisoned the water. There's a chemical in the water. Um, some people actually believed that the local police were responsible for poisoning the water. That, uh, that's an interesting one there. A, okay. lo- a local magician under the guise of a local priest here, uh, he claimed that someone had actually put a huge curse on the town. Some witches out in the woods there, they put a curse on the town. That's why people got sick. I don't I don't know if you agree with him. I'm not sure about that. It's funny. So this happened six years after the end of Noct- or about seven, six or seven years after the end of Nazi occupation, you would think that maybe there was like some German scientist out there, you know, still experimenting on people or something like that. You might come up with that explanation, but maybe they they were so out, far out of the whole Nazi thing, or maybe a lot of the collaborators just wanted to forget. <laughs> we got to remember all of them German scientists were working for the USA and Russia at this point. That is true. Yep. Either the either the US and Britain or Russia. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't come up with that possibility, but it's certainly not out of the realm of uh possibility. No. Yeah, it's still I mean, Jesus, up until what was it like? I'm trying to think of all of the the Nazi researchers that were working for, in NASA. They basically, up until like what, the 70s or 80s, they were still running the space program pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, God, how many times have the German scientists came up on this show? We, they were there. They were, remember the, um, God, I can't think of the Plum Island where they think they might have created Lyme disease. Not to mention the ones that were living it up in South America as, you know, fake cobblers and shit like that. Right. um, a guy living in million dollar mansions basically claiming like, no, no, I'm uh, I was just a back in Germany. You know, <laughs> I just made shoes. This is a this is a very unique village in Argentina that's full of blonde haired, blue eyed white people. It These are the weirdest Latin people I've ever seen in my life. The architectural style is Bavarian. Yeah. You know, just like every other home in fucking Argentina, Bavarian. It's the only place in Argentina you will find 55-gallon drums full of sauerkraut for some reason. Nowhere else except for this one village. (laughs) Definitely. And schnitzel, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, it isn't really mentioned when you kind of look up this story, but I found this in one source. So I'm going to put a big allegedly here that actually nearby towns had experienced similar things minus the hallucinations. In the nearby towns of, I think this is Isarac, Lavalsan, Roman, Goudarguis, Lamont de Rune. Uh, basically, these local towns, they're very close to um, the main place here. They experienced different illnesses, which included cutaneous eruptions, aka skin rashes, diarrhea, vomiting, and headaches. Now, in these local towns, they were able to kind of figure out where the connection was coming from. 
and the most likely suspect was the local fucking baker and his bread. In the case okay. of Pont Saint Esprit, their baker was named Rock Bran, who ran Bran Bakery. Um, so yeah, he's. This is kind of where they've narrowed it down to. We're gonna get even deeper into the bread here. Um, but yeah, they're like, I guess these people were sick, and then they were over time. They're like, okay, where did we all come from? And it was fucking Rock's place. Okay, so kind of like, you know, there's that old, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but um, basically like the mass hysteria caused in the Salem witch trials was believed to be from uh, moldy bread. The the mold in the bread kind of yeah. causing crazy, you know, hallucinations. That cup, that possibly could be it too. It is kind of funny. I do love how it always runs straight into persecution, you know, immediately. It can't just be like, oh, that was you know, immediately, like, someone needs to be fucking persecuted right off the bat. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're going to go, you know, string him up outside of his bakery. But, uh, but yeah, the cops definitely are, they're very curious. They want to talk to Mr. Rock here. And, and honestly, it could be his fault, as we'll find out. But um, there's a few more factors here we got to talk about. Now... Okay, so it's it's not Arkansas. They're not just gonna go straight to the <laughs> yeah. to the rope. So they're not gonna okay, all it. grab a fucking brioche bread and beat him to death with it inside of his bakery. Uh, no, gotcha. they're not gonna do that. Now, obviously, the local bakers they aren't systematically um, going to just be planning this like mass food poisoning event. But how did it? How did this happen to so many places here? Now, the authorities would find out that. In most cases, toxic bread or the toxic bread, especially in the case of rock here, it only had four ingredients to make said bread, flour, yeast, water, and salt. Now, narrowing down the toxic ingredients from that isn't going to be too tough. What made things even easier is when the bakers, they were pretty straightforward in the fact that the flour that they had purchased recently could be just described as, quote, questionable now one bake okay. one baker said the flour was quote bad forming a sticky dough with an acid fermentation another baker had received flour and this is what he said it was gray and it was full of worms not great there now the bakers they all <laughs> then pointed their fingers at the gentleman who had sold them the flour which is a man by the name of Maurice Mallet. It's probably Mallet, but it looks like Mallet. But I think it's yep. Mallet. But anyway, yeah. So, and we're going to get into the flour here in a second. But if your flour has worms in it, maybe yeah. don't use it. That's exactly what I was thinking. They were, they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it just wasn't good flour. You know, it was bad. Oh, mine was so bad. It had fucking worms in it and it was great. <laughs> Yeah, but you still made bread out of it. You could have not bought, you know, you could have you could have not accepted the shipment or thrown it away, but you still made bread out of it. This is a classic situation where these bakers said kids these days are always complaining about what they have to eat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, just like people always say, like, oh, I wish I could be a, a king back in the 1700s or whatever. Like, no, you don't. There were so many people who died from shitting themselves to death 
because of the food that they ate. Even in the 50s. Look at this. This is 1951. They had television like it's, <laughs> and cars and shit. And they're eating bread that, you know, fucking was made out of this shit. <laughs> but we probably honestly, considering the food that we eat, it's probably like better than like the buns from McDonald's. Oh, so for we sure. can't really we can't really fucking, you know, point our fingers too bad like the bakers did. Now, yeah, obviously, if they're noticing something's a little funny, maybe don't use it. But I'm going to explain to you, they didn't really have a choice either because and I hope maybe you can help me out with this once I get through this explanation because it's kind of complicated. Now, the reason they didn't have a choice on the flour was because of old outdated systems. Now, the outdated systems were put in place during the wartime. Okay, obviously, World War II, not that long ago, it gave the government control over the grains grew in the in France. Basically, in a nutshell here, all the bakers would have a set price that was equal all across France for the flour and the grains. Now, the main problem was that the bakers had no control over the quality of the flour that they were purchasing. So in a nutshell, if you were a miller and you had more supply than demand, you would sell the excess to the local government and then the excess would be supplied to regions with flour shortages, but the flour was often of lower quality. So basically, if you were a baker, you had to purchase flour from your local millers first. And if they didn't have enough, then they got flour supplied to them from the Office Nationale Interprofessionale des Cereales. They call flour and grain cereals here. I've realized that in France. So does yeah. this system, have you ever heard of something like this before? Um, yeah, I'll kind of, there's a few things here. So cereals is also what we call, um, you know, like grains and like yeah. flowers and okay. that. Yeah. Uh, it's not just cereal. It's the, you know, it came from that. But um, also this is kind of common during wartime. Um, it's kind of, so during wartime, there's obviously shortages. Just like with gas, if there was ever like a huge, you know, war thing, they would probably in the United States, they would come up with a system of figuring out uh, gasoline would be probably the worst predatory, you know, selling of gasoline. They don't want it to all of a sudden be $50 a gallon, you know. Yeah. So with that situation, they were trying to basically not only keep the price at a good level and not have like wild you know predatory inflation also they were trying to spread around so it didn't like back in the olden days if if your local area had a really good harvest the millers were selling their flour to the locals first problem is like people in other parts of the country that didn't have a good harvest you know wouldn't have that flour they would have to pay like a shit ton more so this was a way to get the flour kind of spread around but I'm guessing that the millers were probably selling to their local people, their good customers, you know, people who had knives right across the street first. They were selling them the good stuff. And then the bad shit, like, oh, we can't even sell that to fucking the worst of the peasants. We have to give that to the, you know, we'll give that to the government. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Yep. What's interesting is we're going to find out here is, Although this system is archaic and outdated and it does get changed, I think the same year 
after this happens um, or the following year. The reason that it gets fucked up isn't necessarily because of the government program. It's more of the greed of one person, as we'll find yes. out here. So, yeah, it said like the the region this town was in had a negative flower tax or something like that. Like they were in debt of flour, so they got the lower quality flour. It was okay. I don't, I don't. It's very strange. I don't know. I guess French people will die without bread, but um, I guess it's the cheapest kind of nutritious stuff you can make pretty easy, right? So, well, yeah, it is. I mean, really, the reason why we have civilization is because of the growing of crops. And it's kind of what, you know, I have this video game called Dawn of Man. And before you start farming, the most people you can have is like 60. That's where I'm like hunting and gathering, you know, berries and all that stuff. Once you start growing flour, all this, or, you know, wheat and all that shit, you can start getting like 200, 300 people in your settlement just because it's so much food. But this program probably was great when it started. It probably kept a lot of people fed. The problem is the bureaucrats get in there and, you know, they get a little greedy. They skim off the top. They skim off the top too much. And all of a sudden now they're in debt. And, oh, shit, we'll fill up that blank space with the worst flour that we should have thrown away. Yeah. Well, yep. when I was reading this, is like, oh, we export the worst flour. And I thought that meant they give it to another country. But, no, they give it to a poor region within their own country. Which yeah, I thought exactly. was kind of <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't don't to the to the wealthy people who you know live in the regions where it was good don't worry we export it yeah to where the peasants live so. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up in that manner but anyway continuing on here <laughs> just just like the united states government exported all of that, that crack that they uh picked up during the 80s so <laughs> it's gotta go <laughs> or cocaine into crack i should yeah. say <laughs> yeah they exported it to la now Let's jump back with the main baker here, uh, Rock Brand. When the police investigated, they found that he, that particular day, he had made three batches of bread. According to Rock and his assistants, the first batch was made with the tainted flour, and the second and third were a mixture of tainted flour and flour that they've already had that wasn't tainted, which could be a possible explanation why people were having different symptoms. Like some people were just sick. Some people were tripping fucking balls here. <laughs> yeah. Now, as for the tainted flour, after interrogating Maurice Mallet, it was found that he had actually been, it might have actually been rye flour that was tainted, not wheat flour. Now, from what, I can understand of what he's trying to say here was basically there was a shortage of wheat flour. And if you had that, you would cut it with like literally like cocaine <laughs> with yep. rye flour or bean flour. Now Maurice claimed he only used bean flour, which we know is bullshit. The main thing is rye is particularly susceptible to ergot poisoning, which is what you kind of alluded to there. And that yes. year it had been in a particularly wet year, which is where ergot fungi flourishes in the rye fields. And some of the symptoms of ergot poisoning include dizziness, headaches, convulsions, psychosis, coma, 
nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, etc., etc. And ergot poisoning and LSD share a uh, chemical in it that is lysergic acid, I guess. So LSD. Yeah, it's it's some chemical that it has in there. The thing that I think is interesting is when I was looking at pictures of ergot poisoning, you know what you know what a piece of grain looks like, right? Yes. Now imagine that with a big black thing hanging off of it. Uh yes. it should be pretty obvious that means it's no good. <laughs> Pull the pizza out of the oven. These kids are hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's an inside joke. But um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like when people are hungry enough or people, you know, you need to make bread. So you kind of just, you know, oh, fuck it. Just wipe off you know, the bad stuff and we'll make it, you know. But here's the thing also, like obviously the ergot poisoning is what they think, you know, the 80% of this had to have caused it. But there's people who really pause and be like, actually, I think it might have been something else. But obviously, this is, I think, what they blame, you know, like the Salem witch trial stuff on. Um, I don't remember the last podcast blaming it on that, though, right? When they did their big series? During episode two, they they had, it was kind of a funnier thing. They uh, they made fun of the word ergot. Oh, yeah. They yeah. were like, ergot, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of how funny it is to say. And then like how you say that, like making other funny words from that. But they did kind of go into it, but mostly it was, we don't believe it was from, you know, fucked up rye, which is actually, I was going to ask you if the bread that rock brand was actually making was rye, but you kind Mm -hmm. of explained it pretty well about him cutting the good wheat flour with rye flour because they didn't have enough, which I can also see happening. Bean flour, I didn't realize they actually make flour out of beans but it's kind of you can actually make bread out of like a lot of different things yeah you can you can literally make bread out of almost anything like fucking uh i don't know you can make it out of whatever but but yeah my well i was gonna say i only buy hot dog and hamburger and well actually bread now too i only buy potato bread potato bread is quite good i i do like it very good it's very sweet yeah um what i was gonna say here is According to Maurice, as well, here, here, he he claims he would, in the beginning, he was cutting wheat flour and then 2% of rye flour, because I think rye was actually quite expensive um, mm. compared to wheat and bean flour. So it wasn't even that much, although we're going to find out he, towards the end, was putting a lot more than he should have in there. Um, okay. Now, as I alluded to earlier, it isn't uncommon for the bakers and millers to do some underhanded deals. Uh, a little chicanery. Yeah. <laughs> some some uh, good old capitalism. Going. <laughs> Technically, I think that's exactly what this is. So basically yep. what they would do is some bakers would grow their own crop, either wheat or rye flour. They would bring it to the miller. He would turn it into flour for them. And then the excess flour that the baker didn't need, the miller and the baker would basically collect that money for themselves and just kind of X out any sort of government involvement. And that's what Ah. happened with Maurice Mallet and the baker named Guy Briere. According to Maurice, towards the end of the year, he found himself having a 
higher than normal amount of rye flour versus wheat flour. And Maurice claimed that some of the rye flour that was brought to him from Guy had the presence of, quote, weevils, mites, and excessive dust. But he was afraid that he was going to lose out on business. So he basically thought he's just going to grind it up with the questionable rye and just mix it together with the rest of the flour, thinking that nobody, nobody will know the difference. Uh, I believe Kellogg's does the same thing nowadays. Just grinds so. up the bugs? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, there is actually an acceptable amount of, is it uh, fecal matter and bugs that's allowed in cereal, I think. Well, I've heard that about like, pasta, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, basically any anything coming out of that. Like, it's it's just like a parts per million thing. So. so basically, Maurice was saying that the flower looked questionable to start with, and it had all the shit in it, but he was just like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, who gives yep. a shit? Now, when they found out all this information, Maurice and Guy were actually both arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter. Okay. And not good. Wow. Yeah, so it was very recent in, <laughs> let's just say, in the uh, the state's minds. Of all of this happening. Yeah. So I'm guessing people wanted fucking answers and they wanted someone's fucking ass on the spit. So what's interesting is so in some accounts, these guys are just working together. In other accounts, Maurice says that guy was really sketchy, but he still did deals with him anyway, which obviously if he had already been buying this flower from guy, I mean, he would know what product he had, right? Well, yeah. And also they were thick as thieves if they were going behind the government's back, getting around the tax man. Yeah. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to ruin that shit. Basically how, you know, if you're already in a criminal organization with someone, you can't just stop. You know, you got to you got to keep going or else, you know, the whole thing will start to fold. Right. Now, this is what I this is, I think, where it kind of throws a wrench in the whole ergot explanation okay okay now apparently a toxicologist actually tested maurice's flower supply specifically the tainted one and he actually found that the ergot levels were negligible so both maurice and guy on the charges they'd be completely dropped so i mean maybe he had gotten rid of all the bad stuff but it seems like i don't know it seems like you can't blame it on the ergot then yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was wondering how much of it, like when they, when all of a sudden everyone started going crazy, how much of it did he dump? How much did he, did he like to just get rid of, you know, like, out into the Rhone River and then down into, you know, going to Italy, basically. <laughs> I don't know. Probably <laughs> he threw it in the river in a toxic river and then it turned into the Pillsbury Doughboy. I don't know. Oh, but- we should, we should, we should also mention that during one of our breaks, we looked it up and the Rhine river actually goes from Switzerland through Germany. The Rhone river goes from Switzerland down to France. So it's the Rhone. not yeah. the Rhine. So that's so why please, all these, no emails. <laughs> that's why all these towns have their name. Now let me, yep. let me um, tell you some other possible explanations here. And I kind of want to hear your feedback once I go through them all. Now there's a historian, which we know we can always trust by the name yep. of Stephen L. Kaplan. Now he claims that, if it wasn't ergot, there was plenty of other factors that could have led to the tainted bread slash cursed bread, which included, 
he claims at the time they were spraying rye fields with mercury to use as effective pesticides. Like you kind of said here, something kind of funny they're spraying in the fields. Mercury, I don't know, you can't get much more toxic than that. He also claims that the sacks that they actually transported the flour in, they're not airtight, they're not sanitary, and the train cars that they were being transported in were known for being insanely unhygienic. So there could be something in there. The local factories allegedly were contaminating the local water supply, which is about the least unsurprising thing in this this yep. whole story here. But my, so you were go ahead. Oh, so you were talking about the the train car. Yes. Yeah, they would back then. They would basically use the same train car to haul like a load of cattle, and then immediately turn that car and be like, "All right, just throw the fucking you know throw other shit in there." So yeah, you know, you just had. <laughs> Or goddamn, you know, fucking carcass, animal carcasses hanging from the roof with dripping down shit and then bacteria growing. So hopefully they sprayed it out sometimes, you know, oh, we're busy. Don't have time for that shit. I'm sure a hobo once or twice used the bag as fucking a a wipe after he took a dump in the (laughs) flower, honestly. Like, yeah, it's and obviously from my understanding of reading this, the bags weren't exactly just thrown away. They're just reused again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) We paid good money for that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. The bags of flour could have been used as a bed for a hobo fuck fest. So now this this last kind of theory here, I actually I don't know why it really resonates with me. Um, It's involves Rock Brands Bakery. Now, he claimed and it was kind of his bakery's claim to fame to have the quote unquote whitest bread around. And I think what they mean here is, let's say, old, old Rocky boy, he was like, hey, my flowers are a little gray. We need to whiten this up. What if he dumped whatever mystery chemical he was in his bread to make it extra white? And maybe he put just a little bit too much of whatever he was using in there and basically poisoned the townsfolk. Whatever bullshit Wonder Bread uses to make their... <laughs> Basically not even like bread into looking like bread. Yeah. I. It's funny because they don't know what Rock was putting in this stuff. So I think okay. that's kind of... <laughs> I don't know. God, I don't know. Chlorine fucking comes to mind. I, Goddamn. Something like that. I don't... This is the one that where I'm kind of like, maybe this dude did something to it. Maybe the flowers already tainted and then he made it even worse by putting his chemicals in it. Oh, made some sort of new chemical reaction that they didn't even think of that looked like ergot. Okay, gotcha. I don't don't know. It's (laughs) they were leaning on Mr. Rock. He that was like his big selling point. He's like, I got the whitest bread around. (laughs) Having the whitest bread around nowadays probably wouldn't fly. So (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I don't know about you, Phil. I'm more of a wheat bread guy. I guess you're a potato, which is like a yellowish bread, right? Ooh, if it's not well, so yeah, the potato bread is kind of yellow. Um, it's very sweet. Um, if I don't, if sometimes if I feel healthy though, I'll get the um the whole grain bread, the with the little seeds and shit poured on top because I'm feeling fancy. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I almost always eat wheat bread, but it's it's like I've eaten it for so long now. I've just it's kind of like my preferred one. Although if you have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that's so much better with white bread. 
Yeah, I used to get the, it's basically like the Texas toast style, um, but that didn't fit in the toaster that I had. So I started buying basically like normal bread, like the butter, it's called butter bread. I forgot what the brand is, but that's how, that stuff tasted really good. But then I just kind of stopped eating like the, you know, shit from wheat and I just was doing potato, which I have no idea if it's better or worse for you, but it tastes <laughs> good. So fuck it. Everyone I, dies anyway. So. For a long time, I was getting the Sara Lee art. I don't know if it's artisan or artisano bread. Mm. Fuck, that was good bread. But man, it was so like thick and soft. You just knew it's not great for you. Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> All yeah. right. All right. Now, let me go with we'll talk about the very final conspiracy that, as we you probably hear, is really grasping at straws. But this guy is very passionate about it. Now, this one basically involves, uh, you know, little government program you might have heard heard of called MK Ultra. It was ran by the CIA in 2009. A man by the name of Hank P. Abarelli Jr. released a book titled "A Terrible Mistake," a book that talked about the mysterious death of a bacteriologist employed by the military and CIA named Frank Olson. Hank Ambarelli claims that while researching Frank Olson's death, he came across a document titled, quote, this is the exact thing, R.E. Pont Saint Esprit NF Olson Files, Intel Files, hand carry to Berlin, tell him to see to it that these are buried. David uh, Bellin um, was basically the man heading up the CIA experience experiment. So basically what they think is Frank Olson was involved with MK ultra and they had sprayed the food in this town with LSD or over the crops or like something. And basically that's why these people were tripping balls more or less. Okay, gotcha. So it's not hand carried to the city of Berlin. No, I'm sorry. It's hand carried to David Bellin, yes. the head of the CIA. Yes. Okay. My bad there. But yeah, we know David Bellin, uh, not a great guy. Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, I do like the uh, the reach here. It's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, if I mean, if these documents are, you know, are real, then it... God, it's such a weird place to have a CIA experiment, though. You know, I mean, to do it in France, but I do I do like it. It's I was thinking that the crazy one at the end would be aliens. So it's a pleasant little surprise <laughs> that we get MK Ultra in here. One the, of my favorite topics. So, so basically what Hank says and what he's found out about this Frank Olson guy is he worked for the military and CIA. He had told his wife and family Something real cryptic, like I had done something really horrible to people, yada, yada, yada. They're pretty sure Frank Olson is working with MK Ultra, And then I believe he died two years after this event took place. So he's basically saying that he thinks Frank Olson was told to do this to this village because Frank Olson was in France at the time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it crosses there. Yeah. Um, did it say possibly what Frank Olson died from? I I didn't see it. I thought it was a suicide. Oh, he was suicided. Okay, yeah. that's the okay, got that's the cover up. Um <laughs> yeah, that's the I do like that. I mean, 
obviously there's a lot of like suiciding that happens in a lot of these, like the whistleblower stories. Right. And then it's like, you know, we have no idea what actually, you know, with uh, people committing suicide, it's always so sudden and so tragic. And then everyone kind of thinks like, oh, I wonder, you know, he was in this, you know, high pressure situation. Was that it? And, you know, then these sort of things come out. But you want to hear the exact quote of his death? Okay, yeah, let's hear that. Olson plummeted onto the sidewalk in front of a hotel, Pennsylvania, and he apparently was still alive and tried to mumble something, but they couldn't make it out, and then he he died. So I guess <laughs> your suicided um, explanation, he just, so he either tried to kill himself or thrown, pushed, I don't know. There's a Russian oligarch who was recently suicided, supposedly. Out of a God, who was it? Um, it was one of Putin's buddies. They believe was I think he was thrown out of a window. Is what possibly happened. They claim that he jumped, but uh, there is actually a way. If someone lands feet first, they jumped. If someone lands like head first or splat, then they because apparently when you when someone commits suicide by jumping off of something tall, apparently when they jump themselves. They jump feet first. They don't dive like as if they were thrown. Yeah, but I bet you spin in the air because don't you remember the famous 9-11 picture of the fallen man? Oh, that's true. How they're like basically helicoptering. Yeah, that guy is like upside down. I. It's such a creepy picture knowing that he had no option basically but to do that. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, it's obviously fucking... Just the at the time watching it when we were watching it as kids, like you know, in school and shit, that was yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. But so, Phil, um, what do you what do you think went on here? Oh, if I had to put my percentages on it, I would say I do like. Um, actually, the wild the <laughs> the dark horse in this is that guy um, putting a little bit extra secret sauce to give him the whitest bread. Um, I do like that, actually, because uh, incompetence and fucking uh, bullshit capitalist shit. I yeah. like that. I would give that the highest. Um, and then, you know, basically ergot poisoning. Maybe he dumped all of the bad shit. Um, and then he claimed that, oh, no, this is the shit that I ground up from that. And then they found it was good because it did get them off. So I kind of like that explanation, too. Um, MK Ultra, obviously, you know. You got to give it the friendly 5% because I like MK Ultra. So, <laughs> Well, here's the thing I think, and this is even fucked up to say, is I don't think they had problems experimenting on people here. So why would they go all the way to France? Oh, it's only because they're, you know, crossing, you know, I mean, basically we were running France at the time during Reconstruction. So, I mean, to in my mind, I'm thinking about France now and not France in 1950 one or two like you know six years after the war is over so it would have been pretty easy for them they probably would have also been operating out of these countries um so yeah i mean that makes it more plausible but they have so many there's so many like poor regions in the united states that they could you know run these experiments on also mexico south america there were so many closer that's the well, only thing according it's just more it's it's just more convenient for them to you know do this shit on poor people in america 
So according to Hank, he claims that there were French citizens who were secret uh, CIA agents that were stationed in France. Um, so I, I don't know. But I was kind of thinking, couldn't it even be possible? I mean, this was kind of the, you know, the Cold War, right? There's a lot of this sort of experimentation. Would it be impossible to think the French government <laughs> would have tried something? Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus, the French government was just trying to pull their pants up around their ass at this point. They were, you know. That's true. Uh, yeah, they were kind of, you know, just coming out of that war. Uh, the Cold War was in its infancy in in this time frame. So, yeah, I mean, we were, you know, a lot of and we were talking before about all of those ex-Germans who might have been, you know, kind of helping these programs along. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a fascinating tale that it's weird. There's not like a distinct answer, although most people lean on the ergot poisoning theory. And I should mm. I should note to rock. Uh, I think he actually went out of business because of this as well. Oh, I, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he does. No, luckily, he no longer has the whitest bread in town. Luckily, he does have a porn star name, so maybe yeah. he found work <laughs> afterward. <laughs> He's already got that going for him. <laughs> well, Phil, if uh, if anybody wants to contact us and let us know how they feel about this, where can they reach us? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from everybody. We've heard you know, quite a few things coming up about... You guys were talking about the sleep paralysis monster mostly on instagram but we did enjoy hearing about that if you want to hit us up on instagram it's subliminal deception podcast on ig uh same thing you know all great messages love to hear from everybody cody and i also have our own instagram accounts mine is sd podfill cody you have one yeah you can follow me at cody's above on instagram the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to itunes leave the show a five-star review Preferably written, just type whatever the hell you want in there. Type in your favorite type of flower. Um, just preferably five stars. If you are a Spotify listener, it's even easier. All you got to do is hit five stars, hit submit. You don't have to type shit. And it really helps boost us up the ratings and help us get more exposure. And we th- greatly thank everybody's taking time to do that. Really quick before we end this, I did want to thank someone who sent us uh, a really good explanation of their sleep paralysis demon. Uh, thank you on Instagram, Giuseppe. That was a great story and uh, just basically, you know, telling us what you saw. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thanks, Giuseppe. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>